Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of Him through this journey. Thank you for joining us, and may burning witnesses arise. We can open up to the book of 1 John, or the first letter of John. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm trying to track with some of the comments. Um, Marielle says, my six-year-old loves giving you lots of hearts. <laughs> um, man, and we love you. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, we'll just jump right into it. I'm going to read some verses out of First um, John in the second chapter here in just a moment. Um, but but I I am very aware that at a time like this, just meaning in life, specifically seasonally to the calendar, that for many you know a new year comes with uh, a lot of introspection, a lot of reflection. Um, a lot of provoking and a lot of vision casting, uh, a forecasting out of the different ways that we evaluate what our life has looked like up until this point. Um, just, just be aware that where this is not going um, is I am not a subscriber to the new year, new me, whole motto. Um, I am not one that is deeply anchored, tethered to, committed, connected in any way whatsoever um, to the ideology that just because one day has passed over into the next, that all of a sudden uh, I am going to arise out of the bed as some new superhuman or superman uh, without any kind of real repentance, without any kind of real commitment to transformation uh, without any type of plan whatsoever. Um, so I'm, I'm not the, the new year, new you, uh, because most of us realize that just because we have entered into 2021, that a lot of what we have gone through in 2020 um, is still tracking with us. Uh, we know that. We know that even culturally, we recognize that nationally. Um, we still recognize that in certain ways economically. Um, we still understand that in a very real way um, with the health organization and all of the different things that we are still enduring and persevering through and constantly adapting to. Um, as it goes to all of the different suggestions and restrictions and mandates and orders and everything of the sort. We, we realize that just because we have gone from 2020 into 2021 does not automatically mean that everything is brand new. It did not automatically give us a clean slate. There are still a lot of issues that are unresolved. There are still many things. Um, and I know that even politically right now on a national scale, there is a large attention that is drawn specifically today to what is happening in Georgia and then over the course of the week with a highlight tomorrow to the things that are happening or going down in D.C. I, I recognize that and I know that you recognize that also. So it would be foolish to think that just because we have entered into a new year that it automatically assumes that we have entered into new circumstances. We, we haven't. 
We haven't. Um, that, that is not the case. Um, that's not the case at all. Uh, and in just a moment, we're going to attempt to draw strength. And I say attempt um, because at times you would think that things are a given, um, but nothing, no, nothing in actuality is a given. Uh, let's just take the scriptures, for instance. Millions of us are reading this book and drawing wildly different conclusions about who Jesus is, about what he's concerned about, about the way that he should operate or engage or interact with our lives personally, with um, a corporate people that he is building and developing nationally. And then even that bride, that body, as it is represented and coming into a place of beautiful fulfillment, even globally, millions of us are reading this book. And yet somehow, some way we are drawing wildly different conclusions. Um, and these wildly different conclusions are creating all types of conflicts and confrontations. And so not even just the encouragement to read your Bible can be a given. Uh, but this is where the encouragement is going to go. Uh, it's not just the what that becomes important, but it's the way. It's the way. Um, and in just a moment, we're going to look into First John chapter two. And if you're already familiar with where this goes and and things of that nature, um, you know, mine at a certain point is subtitled or it's subheaded, "Do not love the world." And and this is where we will find our encouragement today. Uh, you see, because what I find is that when the world is shaking, if there is any love of the world in us. Um, then our hearts will shake too. And now let me just clear this up um, because I know that there are going to be some of you that are uh, very committed to letting everybody know that we should have a concern for things that are happening, um, that we are not just supposed to check out and be disengaged, that we're not just supposed to uninvolve ourselves, that we are supposed to be salt, we're supposed to be a light, we're supposed to be a witness, we're supposed to be a demonstration, we're supposed to be a people weaving themselves into life and culture in order to bring um, reformation, in order to bring transformation, in order to see uh, an awakening and revival of sorts. Like I, I get all of that, I, and I know that, there are going to be some because I just can't make the general statement that we are not supposed to love the world without certain contentious um, feelings coming up in our hearts uh, because we do want to be responsible on our watch and on our watch, meaning the days that God has given us to steward. Um, as Paul references, the time that we have to commit deeds while in this flesh, while dwelling in this earthly tent, meaning our bodies, this flesh, which is the parallel that Paul makes while dwelling in our earthly tent, we want to be responsible with this life that God has given us to live. And we want to live it responsibly before the Lord. And we want to love him well. And we want to be committed to stewarding our lives well. And in this new year, I know that it is... Um, almost very commercialized um, for everybody to start the year fasting. And don't let me say everybody, right? Everybody becomes 
to all-inclusive. Uh, I know that it is very commercialized for everybody to hit that January 21, right? That 21-day Daniel in January. I'm, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. I'm not taking shots. This isn't like uh, I'm for it, against it. I'm all for it. Um, I'm definitely not against it. As long as we realize some things, uh, that a January offering does not exempt me from obedience February through December. Um, January is not the only time to turn over our appetite to the Lord. Um, as a matter of fact, that's one of the beautiful things that we learn in fasting um, is that the crucible, when it hits our appetites, we realize how much our appetite affects so many other things. Um, as you turn away from the table, as you turn away from meals, uh, you can very easily turn away from meals and yet never turn to Jesus. So it's just not even the commercialized, well, I'm just not going to eat during January. Uh, you cannot eat and starve yourself uh, rather than feasting upon the Lord. Just because you turn from food again doesn't mean you turn to Jesus. We want to turn from the right things, but equally, and I would say more importantly, turn to the right things. Uh, and when we turn to the Lord, having turned over our appetite to him, we realize how much our appetite is involved and the other things that are affected. Uh, you see, fasting is amazing and not just because I've written two books on fasting. That's not why I think it's amazing. Um, the, the books didn't come out of a head knowledge. They didn't come out of like deep research and articles and interviews and all of those types of things just because I thought that it was a fancy subject or topic that nobody else was really contributing on. There, there's a bunch of other fasting books and there's a bunch of other great insights that can be found when you canvas some of the other materials that are out there. Um, but what I've learned over the years is that fasting deals with the allegiances of our heart in our life. Um, and I love how it's been said. Um, if you really want to get to know yourself, one of the ways that you can do that is to go on a seven-day liquid fast or a seven-day water fast. Um, now, now, I get it. Not everybody is able to do that. And I'm not commenting that way in a suggestion that this is the only way that it can be done or the discovery of self that that is the only way that you can achieve that or attain that outcome. Um, that would be absurd. Uh, but fasting has been one of the aggressive, uh, aggressive is a great word. It has been one of the aggressive ways um, that the Lord has been able to shine a very bright light on what's going on in the inner man. Uh, what's happening on the inside. You see all of the bells and whistles and decorations, all of the language all of the externals, all of the images, all of the facades. Um, you, you see, our hope in the gospel, as we've stated many times, if you've been tracking with us, our hope in the gospel is a hope in transformation. Right? This is where we find the energy, if you would, or the motivation. Even coming into a new year, we put our hope into transformation. 
Once we do inventory, once we do a self-evaluation, uh, I know we create our New Year's resolution list and all of these types of things. Hey, I want to be something different in this new year. Hey, I want to change my goals. Hey, I realize the things that I've been doing up until this point, they haven't necessarily got me where it is that I want to be. And I'm just not going to be, you know, oblivious to think that change is going to come without a real plan and without day-by-day commitment. At some point, I'm going to have to get into the trenches and I'm going to have to make the hard decisions that that may be true in certain areas of our life. Uh, But then there are other areas of our life where regardless of the plan, we actually don't have a shot to be any different without a real hope in the powerful work of God's spirit that is happening on the inside of us to make us something different than what we've always been. To make us something different than what we've always been. I don't want to act like I'm changed. I don't just want to strive hard enough to keep the image alive. I don't just want to know how to work all the angles and perfect the language. Wearying myself and exhausting myself because I'm trying to prop up an image of myself long enough so that other folks will buy into the idea that I actually am the person that I am presenting to them. This is not real hope. Um, As a matter of fact, this is bondage. If we can just call it what it is, it's bondage. Um, It's bondage. It's bondage to have to fuel the image by our own efforts. It's bondage to constantly realize that I am not what I desire to be or have been promised to be able to be. Promised to be able to be, yes. We've been promised that God's spirit is alive on the inside of us when we come to be born again, when we put our faith in Jesus, when we pledge our allegiance to him as king, when we have been baptized, laid under the water, raised up to new life as a new man, The old man is gone. The new man comes up, resurrected power and life. And now by the work of God's spirit happening on the inside, this is Romans 8, those who believe they've been predestined to be conformed to the image of God's son. We've been predestined to be conformed, to be transformed, which means that we are no longer what we used to be. And that yes, though it was real in a moment, that there is a process that is making it more real over time, which means that I don't ever reach a point or a juncture in this life when there is not going to be any more change that is necessary. Now now that is the plan. The plan is that I am continually until the end of my days going to be yielding to the work of God's spirit in me, changing me into the image of Jesus. Praise God. And that's going to be until the end of my life. Well, what that also means is that there's a work happening on the inside of me. And that I have to be aware of where my hope lies. My hope doesn't lie in the images that the world knows how to create. My hope lies in the transformation that God has promised by the work of his spirit happening on the inside of you. To make you something different. To change you. To transform you. To conform you into the image and the likeness of his son. 
to change the makeup of who you are, the DNA, the substance, the actual default configurations on the inside when you came to be born again and God put his spirit in you, you are now a new version of human. You are not what you used to be. And therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is no longer what he was. He's a new creation. He's a new creature. Old things have passed and all things have become new. And in the journeying into all things becoming new, um, I think at times we have to be willing to recognize and to become dissatisfied with certain things that have yet to be transformed about us. Um, and part of that is we have to stop sowing into the lie and expecting to reap the truth. That, that sounds incredibly basic. Uh, and in certain cases, it's really simple. And in other cases, it's simply profound. Um, you cannot continually sow into the lie and then expect to harvest the truth. Uh, what do I mean? Uh, I think sometimes we lie to ourselves because we have to find a way to reconcile our love for him all the while taking note or recognizing certain things that have not yet happened. You know, the age old statement, um, we experience disappointment when our experiences don't match up with our expectations. When we create a certain projection of an expectation and then our corresponding experience or experience does not match said expectation, we experience disappointment. We experience letdown. We go through a disappointment because we have not experienced what it was that we expected. And for some of us, at that point, we have to then reconcile that disappointment in a way that is going to allow us to continue in our faithfulness to the Lord. Um, and we do that in a variety of very wild and crazy ways at times. Very wild and crazy ways at times. Um, you know, I, I get asked on a regular basis how I handle the debate of cessationism. I don't debate it at all. Not just because it's foolishness to me, um, and even saying it that way, because it is, uh, it's foolishness to me. Because again, um, cessationism being of many things, but being the, the belief that miracles are no longer for today, um, and when you break that down a little bit farther, that people can't be healed today, that signs and wonders and all of that types of stuff. So that's foolishness to me because I've been healed. So there's no debate there. Um, for years, I had a blood report that revealed a disease that was in my bloodstream, a sexually transmitted disease that was in my bloodstream that doctors verified that I was taking medicine for for five or six years and also going through the physical complications of said report and the reality of that being in my bloodstream overtaking my body. I lived that. Um, but then in a gathering... A group of people laid their hands on me and now in my bloodstream, okay, they didn't just lay their hands on me. Let me clear that up. They laid their hands on me and prayed the prayer of faith, believing in the power of the blood of Jesus. 
And now the doctors don't understand why my blood report no longer has the disease that they still do not have a cure for, that they still have not found medicine to deal with. Um, as a matter of fact, they told me that I was in a hopeless situation because there was no medicine, there was no cure. Science, medicine had no answer for what it was that I was going through. And that was my reality for a period of five, six years. Then the blood of Jesus gave me a solution that science doesn't have, doctors haven't found, medicine can't do, money can't buy. So the blood of Jesus worked out for me something that the world has no solution for me in. So for me, I don't have any place to debate a cessationist. I'm not interested in getting into arguments and, and all of that stuff. I'm healed. I know you don't believe in healing. I'm healed. You wrestle with that. And that's, that's where it is, but I've been transformed. And so I think at times we create different arguments, mindsets, um, positional things in our heart in order to reconcile our faithfulness to the Lord, even though at times our expectations have become disappointments because we have longed for certain real transformation in our lives that we have yet to experience. Let, let me just encourage you. Our hope is in transformation. Our hope is in what the word says. Um, and you've heard it just as I have. You don't change your theology in order to meet your experiences. Um, you don't change your understanding, your theology about who God is because your experiences have become disappointments. Well, I haven't been healed, so I no longer believe that he's the healer. Well, he's never really come through for me, so I no longer believe, you know, that he's the redeemer. Well, I still have broken things going on in my family, so I don't believe any longer that he's able to restore and make all things new. Uh, well, well, he's no longer the provider because if you looked at my life, well, well, he's no longer this or that because my experience has led me to believe. No, 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 no. We don't start with our experiences. We start with him. And then we lean into him. And we contend for the reality of his word and the beauty of what he has revealed. We contend for that for the remainder of our lives. And this is, this is the whole point. And this in small part is something that I believe that John is writing to us and an encouragement that we can find as we are heading into 2021, whether we're ready for it or not. Right? Some of us couldn't wait to get out of 2020. Praise God, 2020 is over. Okay, I mean, cool, um, but we have no idea what 2021 is going to hold. And I know that there was a strong leaning into 2020 that for many turned into disappointments um, because we put our hope in certain words that never actually materialized. We put all of our celebration and all of our confidence into certain prophecies that went unfulfilled. And this is the whole point. Um, you can canvas YouTube trying to find somebody who's prophesying about 2021 what you want them to be saying. Um, and then you can grab that out of the atmosphere and claim it for your own life. 
um, somebody you've never met, somebody that has no connection to your story, somebody that, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, the, the point is you can handle it however you want to handle it. Um, or you can choose to look deeply into the face of Jesus. Um, and you can realize that he's not going to talk about you to other people because he's unwilling to talk to you. Um, if 2020 should have taught us anything, it's that these are not times to be playing games. It's time to know the Lord for ourselves. It's time to walk with him for ourselves. It's time to cultivate an intimacy with him for ourselves, for our own life. You can't delegate intimacy. You can't delegate the secret place. You can't delegate a deep knowing of the Lord for yourself. And 2020 revealed to us that the world has the potential to shake at any moment. The world has the potential to shake at any moment. And for some of us, if we were more connected to the world than we were to the Lord, then we found our lives shaking. Um, we found our lives shaking. Now you may say, Mike, that's unfair to say um, because man, like it was unprecedented times. Um, things were going on that man, like we never saw coming and we were sideswiped one day to the next and things just continued to increase and things just got more complex and it seemed like um, Pandora's box was opened and just a whole buffet of issues hit the world. And specifically, nationally for us here in the United States, it seemed like many things um, were abounding and a lot of things culminated and synchronized at the same time to create a massive amount of pressure on us as a people. But our promise is that if we come to him, that he will give us rest. And our promise is that if we come to him and if we deepen our walk in him and with him, that he frees us. This isn't like make-believe. It's not too good to be true. It's not some fairy tale ending that's only for Disney stories. It's not just make-believe or magic. It's not hocus-pocus and it's not nonsense that's only for an exclusive group of folks. It's not only for five-fold platform staff pastor type individuals. But it's for those of us who have anchored our life deeply into a real man, a man who's alive from the dead, a man who said, fear not, I've overcome the world, a man who promised us that his joy would be in us and that it would be overflowing, a man who said that in her, his presence, there is joy unspeakable and full of glory, a man that said that if we would bury our life in him, that our promise would be peace that surpasses all understanding, a man alive from the dead that overcame the world, a man that was though shaken by it, crucified by it, rose from the dead having conquered it and is now alive and glorified, who said that if you would bury your life in me, that I would put my life in you that I would put my life in you and that I would make you more than a conqueror. Um, this isn't just some nonsense that's for when the trumpet sounds. 
meaning that we will have overcome the world whenever this age as we know it has passed. But this is a promise for those of us who stood in 2021 realizing that at any given moment, everything about the world as we know it can be shaken. Everything about our health, everything about our finances, everything about um, our job, our career, everything about our ministry, everything about our city, everything about our family. Potentially, the vice grip can be applied to, the shaking can be underwent, and we can enter into the crucible of the times at any given moment. And tragedy and trial and persecution overnight can overtake the world. We realized that in 2020. And so to think that as we came into 2021, that just because we ripped one page off the calendar and entered into a new page, that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, magically, mysteriously, that everything was going to be brand new, we're deceiving ourselves. Um, we're, we're deceiving ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. But this is what John writes. Um, and, and I'm just, I'm just going to read some of these verses in 1 John chapter 2. Let's start with verse 15. Um, he says, now this is John. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. Man, for if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Um, which, if we just read it at face value, what John is telling us, that is, when the love of the Father is in us, that it is working over time to evict the love of the world that resides within us. Um, he says, if there's any love of the world that is still in you, then the love of the Father has not accomplished its goal in you. Um, we know later on, he says, perfect love casts out all fear. Um, right, well, here in 1 John 2, starting in verse 15, he says, if the love of the world is still in you, right? And this is not, um, you know, we can come up with all types of spiritual ways that we want to love the world, but you understand at a fundamental level what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a love of the world and the system that governs the world. I'm not talking about being faithful to the Lord from within the construct of the world. These are two opposing ideas. I'm talking about a love of the world and its ways that has not yet been transformed on the inside of us. It has not yet been surrendered. It is a rich young ruler, tarp posturing of heart, considering the call of God to walk with him, looking deeply into the face of Jesus, counting the cost of abandoning this material life and all of its persuasions, conversations, and attractions. It is an intentional consideration of that cost and a rejecting of the idea, the invitation of finding Jesus as the pearl of great price, being willing to sell the field because we have found Jesus to be the pearl of great price. Because I found the pearl, I sold the whole field, right? The rich young ruler considered the invitation, looked deeply into the face of Jesus and turned his back and walked the other way because the cost was too great. 
He had too much real estate or property in this life. It's a love of the world, the things attached to it, the system that it's governed by, and its way of life. He says, do not love the world nor the things in this world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the world, or the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. As we consider starting the year right, um, I want to look deeply into the face of Jesus and ask him to examine my heart and to take inventory of my ways. You see, because you can mask it however you want to mask it. You can spiritualize your conversation. Um, you can love the world with a Jesus t-shirt on. You, you can do it however you choose to do it. Um, but, but it's a heart matter. It's not a matter of a new language. Um, it's not a matter of just having the right activities be a part of our life. Um, it's not a matter of making sure that we're engaged with other certain types of people. It, 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 none of this. All, all of that is nonsense. You can do all of that while the corruption of the heart is still growing uh, like a cancer from the inside. You can memorize worship songs. You can quote scripture verses. Um, you can do all of that and still love the world and love yourself. And I get it. The world system is trying to tell you that you are what matters most. Um, I would beg to differ. Um, I would say Jesus is what matters most. Um, and you can't possibly love yourself the way you should if you don't love him the way that you should. Um, because loving you without first and primarily loving him leads to a greater pride and self-exaltation, um, leads to an abounding arrogance that is seeking to eradicate anything that would sit in the place of supremacy above the idea that the I is the greatest thing in your life. Um, but when you come to him, you realize that the cry of David in the Psalms is lead me to the rock that is higher than I and that I has to be surrendered to the rock um, and the rock is the sun which Jacob laid his head on when he had the dream and realized that there was the ladder that came down out of the heavens and was established on the earth and there were angels ascending and descending and he awoke realizing God has been here the whole time and I'm the only one that just didn't know it um, what would it look like what would it look like in this year to look at Jesus um, and to say that if there's anything competing with you in my heart, I need you to deal with it because I, left to my own devices, am not able to transform alone those areas and places from within my own heart and life. And if I try to deal with it, or if I try to cover it up, which is even worse, um, you see, some of us have played the cover-up game for way too long, um, right? We know how to be Christian, but we know how to do us too. 
um, and we know how to hold them in perfect tension or balance well. Uh, we know how to do the things that we should be doing, right? And even at times, whenever certain groups of folks are around, right? Whenever we want to prop the image up again, this is where we started. Um, the futility of propping up the image, the exhaustion that we know from trying to contend and then having to retreat at times because we just don't have the energy in certain moments in order to keep the image alive the way that we are contending or believing that we are doing well. Uh, I would just suggest that you can keep the image right before everybody. Uh, but everybody really doesn't matter. Um, it's the eyes of the Lord. Um, and some of us work really hard trying to get it right before people uh, instead of trying to get it right before the Lord. Um, and what you, what you realize over time, right? See, see there, there are certain things that you come to understand once you have a little bit of time invested uh, right, They say that certain things only time will teach you, uh, and I realize that to be true. Um, certain things only time can teach us. Um, I, I can have certain conversations with my kids. Right, um, Let's say I sit down with my five-year-old and she wants to talk to me about driving. Uh, cool, that, that, that we can have that talk, um, but there's not a time in her life where that's yet going to fit well. Uh, we have to get to the point in time where she has grown and matured in certain ways where we can appropriate or apply the conversation that we may have been having. And what you realize is that you come to certain intersections in your life with the Lord where he's given you a certain time and a certain grace to deal with things your way. Um, to deal with things your way. But then you come to these little special intersections um, where he says, hey, listen, um, it's not okay anymore. It's, it's not all right anymore. Um, you, you see the acceptance of it in seasons past uh, should never be mistaken for the approval of it over the course of our life. Um, and at times, we mistake the grace of God for the mercy of God, um, thinking that because he's been merciful to us in certain seasons, that it means that his grace has covered those things and it has made those things okay and that we can just be any type of believer that we want to be and that the inclusion of certain things into our life or into our lifestyle that God has signed off on it because he is no longer necessarily directly confronting it in different moments. Um, and then you come to a place where you get um, beautifully confronted by the face of Jesus. And guys, come on, this isn't something where um, what I am referencing is always going to be crazy, obvious and blatantly wrong and grotesquely sinful. Um, so then what makes something wrong? Um, anything is wrong that he says is wrong. Uh, anything. Um, but you see, this is one of the confrontations um, that he is so faithful to give us in our life is we create ideas of what we want our life to look like. And if we're not careful, our ideas become our idols and we worship them 
so long as we believe that God is signing off on them. Um, but the minute that we find out that possibly he is not signing off on what I've been striving for, uh, we become challenged because my idea of my life has been enshrined as an idol for my life. Um, but you just realize over time that there are certain things that really matter. And then there are other things that just don't really matter as much as I might have thought they did. Um, and John encourages us that the world is passing. And so loving the world and its ways at a certain point is going to prove to be futile. Loving the world and its ways, whether we realize that over the course of our life, meaning if Jesus chooses to tarry longer than I am alive, then I will have gone into the grave awaiting the moment of his appearing to be raised from the dead. Right? This is what we find in Daniel 12. Gabriel comes to him in chapter 11. He encourages him the last Verse of Daniel 12, Daniel, be faithful till the end for you're going to die. But listen, bro, like be faithful till the end. You're going to die, but God is going to be faithful to you. He's going to raise you from the dead and you will enter into your reward at the end of the age. Right? So this is what John says. He says that there's coming a certain point when the world and all of its lusts, meaning the ways of the world, the pride of life, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, right? Where the ways of the world, all of the lusts and the lifestyle attached to the world and its ways and its systems, there's coming a passing for these things. And so I might pass on into the grave before the world passes. And so I might not necessarily ever be confronted by the appearing of the Lord, right? Like first Thessalonians four, for those of us who are alive at the time of his appearing, um, I might live the rest of my days being challenged with the lusts of the world and this life. Um, but there just comes a point in your walk with Jesus, where you have to consider what type of follower of Jesus you're going to be. I don't know any simpler way to put it, where you realize, man, like all of the games and all of the shenanigans and all of the nonsense, like, man, that's for somebody else. Like for real, like it is like trying to straddle the fence, like trying to play the line, like trying to have the best of Jesus and the best of the world, like trying to have my cake and eat it too, like, like all, all of it, like all of it. You realize at a certain point, it is exhausting. But the pressure of 2020, if it's done anything, it has done this. It has put a demand on a new breed of Jesus lover arising in the earth. Um, a new breed of lover becoming visible. A new breed of follower taking place. Um, I believe that indeed a great shift happened over the course of 2020. Um, and that certain things are passing 
and other things are becoming new, and other things are taking their proper place. Um, but the pressure of our circumstances in 2020 should have revealed to us that some things just can't stay the same. And there's a people, the church is awakening in this hour. You see, that that's what's happening, is the crucible of circumstances has awakened the church. The pressure of all of life and what we were dealt in 2020 has refined us. And there's a resurgence, if you would, of followers of Jesus in this hour that are casting off all of the nonsense. You see, where the enemy thought he was going to destroy you with things that he dealt to you in 2020, it has only proved to refine you unto the purposes of God. And now for the great revealing of a lover of Jesus, now for the resurgence of the church to its proper place, now the awakening of this bride in the hour of history to take its proper place in our nation in order to burn bright. Um, and this is what I believe it's happening. Um, there's being a casting off of things that just don't matter. Um, they just don't matter. Um, and it's why the evaluation of the heart is happening. Um, and I want to start the year this way by looking at Jesus. I want to start the year this way by seeking out the word of the Lord. It meaning seeking out the word of the Lord by looking at Jesus and just not canvassing all of the proper memes and deciding which one I want to try to apply to my life. I want to look deeply into the face of Jesus. I want to get to know him for myself. I want to get rid of all of the lesser lovers that have competed with my faithfulness to him as king in my life. And I want them to be dealt with and I want to be transformed in the necessary ways that he knows I need to be. Um, and if we're not going to start this way, then I don't really know what we're doing. Um, if we're not going to start this way, I don't honestly know what trajectory we're setting ourselves on. Because if we're not going to start by confronting through the powerful work of God's spirit and being transformed into something that we cannot make ourselves and dealing with and putting a proper death to the things that have competed with our love for Jesus as king. This is what matters. This is what matters in an ultimate sense. All of this other earthly, temporal, material, nonsensical stuff that you can just throw a Jesus t-shirt on and love the world as long as you adopt a new language and create the same goals as the world and try to live your life the same way the world does and try to be faithful to the world while singing worship songs. All of that is nonsense. And eventually the proper blow must be dealt to it, but you don't have the power to do it by yourself. And it's why it hasn't worked yet. That's why it hasn't worked yet. Um, because you don't have the power to do it. Um, you don't have the power to do it. Um, it's what Paul says. I realize that this life that I now live is being lived by my faith in the Son of God. And he has actually taken up residency on the inside of me. And now the world has been crucified to me and I back to it. For it's no longer I that live, but it's he that liveth in me. 
And this is the hope of glory, is that Christ is in you. And at a certain point, we have to eliminate the excuses as to why we are not yet different. And the difference that we have desired has not yet been made real on the inside of us. And it is not because God has lost interest in the promise of transformation, um, but it is quite possibly um, that we have a satisfaction that is still alive on the inside of us with certain ways and things that because we have grown satisfied with how far God has brought us, um, we are no longer leaning in deeply for that work to aggressively continue. Um, you, you know exactly what I'm saying. Um, without having to like jump into words of knowledge and try to read your mail so that you can think that like God is talking to us. Um, we've just grown comfortable in doing it the way that we know how to do it. Um, but I would suggest that there is a way that Jesus died for us to do it. And there is a transformation that he has promised us. Um, there's a transformation that he has promised us. There is a transformation. Um, let me suggest it to you this way. You can be transformed. Those mindsets can be transformed. Those addictions can be broken. Um, those leisurely activities and hobbies, those things that you give your attention to just because um, you haven't yet been found out. He can transform them. And it's not just the surfacey externals, but it's the desire for it that hasn't yet been crucified. It's the desire for it. Listen to what he says, the lusts of the flesh. It's the desire for it that has not yet been put to death. And no amount of suppressing those desires is going to transform them. Suppression by your own fleshly means or might, suppression by your own carnal ways is never going to be enough to bring real transformation. You can bury it beneath the surface, but if it's still alive, it's not dead. <laughs> um, and I just believe that as we lean into 2020 or into the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021, which is what I meant to say, that you and I, um, above everything else, man, I, I really want him. Um, and I want him in a way where he is able to deal with me and deal with the things that are still in, alive in me that are competing with him. That are competing with him. Um, you see, for the rich young ruler, it was his real estate. Um, right? Maybe for you, it's your career. Maybe for you, it's your idea. Um, of what your life is supposed to look like. Um, maybe for you, it's whatever, 
whatever you, you, you insert whatever belongs, um, there in that space, in the conversation. Um, but man, if there's anything that's competing with him, if there's anything that's competing with him, um, I pray that he is able through the love that he has distributed into our hearts that through the distribution of that love alive on the inside of us, that he is able to deal with it the right way. Um, you see, because we are never able to surrender until we come to the experience of this love, right? Or at least um, Paul writes it that way in Romans 12. In light of God's love and mercy, now surrender and offer yourself as a living sacrifice. So it's love should be producing surrender where you can lay your life down as a sacrifice. The work of that love on the inside of us should be deepening our surrender to the person of the Lord where our lives have become living sacrifices in the way that we steward them well while there's still time remaining as we are living them. That should be the progression. He loves us. That love crushes us. We surrender to him. Our lives are then lived sacrificially, which means my life no longer belongs to me because it now belongs to him. And it belongs to him because of the way that he loved me. And you just don't understand. When he loved me, it crushed me. And that crushing of me brought me to surrender to him. And now living in surrender to him, I'm now offering myself sacrificially to him. And there is no more competition. There is nothing else that's lobbying in my attention. There is no other thing in the consideration of what my life should look like and I'm not fighting with him because I want this more than him I want him and so the fight has been abolished and in the abolishing of the fight I can now live faithfully this should be the goal and if this is not the goal we need to take it back to the drawing board his love and the experience of that love should be crushing you it should be for the world has been crucified to me and I to it. That can only come out of being loved well. Because until we are loved well, that worldly lust and the love for the ways of the world is still alive within us. But he is faithful to crucify it when we yield to that love and we abide in him and his love. He deals with all of those competitors that are alive on the inside. Woo! But that should be the progression. The progression should be, he loves us. And as he loves us, he crushes us. And in that beautiful crushing, we then find the fuel to surrender. And as we surrender, we then find our lives in great joy and freedom lived sacrificially to him in light of his mercy lay down in light of his great love surrender right this this is the, we probably read that verse thousands of times for some of us in light of god's tender love and mercy offer yourselves as living sacrifices 
Let me tell you what type of believer we need in 2021. We need living sacrifices. We need people who have put the entirety of their lives on the altar. We need people that have been crushed so good and loved so well that the I that used to be alive on the inside of you has been radically transformed to where it's no longer I that live, but it's he in me. And the world has been crucified to me and I to it. So I'm not worried about its ways and its lusts. And I'm not worried about all of its attachments and all of its attractions because I've been loved so good and I've surrendered. And now I'm living in continual surrender which is what gives me the freedom, the joy, and the power to be a living sacrifice. I really want to see Jesus deal with all of the competitors in my own heart. Everything that is competing for me to yield to his love well. I want to be loved well. I want to be loved well. Because I understand that being loved well is the entry point for that real substantial work of transformation, right? Anywhere that you are resisting love, you are resisting transformation. Anywhere that you are resisting love, you are resisting transformation. Um, and we find that even as we just canvas John, right? We mentioned two things. Man, for those of us that still have the love of the world in us, it's because the love of the Father hasn't accomplished its goal. It's because you don't have the fullness of the love of the Father. Later on, anybody that's still dealing with fear, it's because perfect love, right? Because perfect love gives the eviction notice. It casts out all fear. Man, I want to be loved well because I know that there are certain things that love is trying to deal with that maybe I've made excuses for. Maybe I've given myself an exemption in. Maybe I've just grown satisfied. Maybe I still have certain lusts and longings that are still alive on the inside that are not giving the proper place in order for love to deal with them, to deal it the blow of death that he desires. Um, I want to be loved well as we lean into this year so that he can do in me and make me a living sacrifice so that I can then be faithful with everything else that he has for me. You see, some of us, we're talking about everything else that he has for me without talking about actually deepening in the place of our surrender, without actually laying down and becoming a living sacrifice without actually giving more room on the inside for all of these competitors to be confronted. But this is what I want. I want any competitor to be confronted and to be dealt the blow of death. I don't just want to pretend like it's no longer there. I don't just want to surround myself with the right group of people that are willing to sign off on it and endorse it for me. I don't just want to patty cake my life with people that are only going to celebrate me in all of my weaknesses. Uh, I don't only want to do the things that I know to do so that I am not 
brought into the confrontation of transformation. But I want to look deeply into the face of Jesus. And Lord, if there's things you're trying to do in me, let's go. As tough as it may be, as hard as it may be, as much of the idea of my life that it may be problematic to, help me, Jesus, to stay put so that you can do in me what you desire to do in me. Um, In order for me to love you well, I realize that I have to give place for you to love me well. Um, Because we know what love is because he has first loved us. We know what love is because he has first loved us. Um, If right now you are uh, somewhat frustrated because I did not devote our time together to talking about a bunch of political stuff um, or because I did not devote our time together um, to talking about all of the national conflict and things that are right now um, trying to really just, man, put our nation in a sleeper hold, just trying to strangle the life Um, in a variety of ways, out of our nation and the people that are living in it. Um, It's because I know at this point, um, we need to be, as a people, ready for what has come and what is coming. Um, And the only way that we are going to do that is by talking about our love for him. Loving him well is what is going to ready you for the crucible of the times. Loving him well is what is going to allow you to be prepared for, should we say, the storm that is on the horizon, the problems and the trials, um, whatever it is. Loving him well and having a people that are free enough from the pressures of this life to be able to be faithful to him in the midst of the challenges that this life presents us with. That's what we need. We need a people that are going to love him well and be faithful to him, regardless of what the social construct looks like. A people that are going to love him well and be faithful to him, regardless of who's seated in the highest office of the land. You you know what? I've said it before. It, It really doesn't matter to me. Um, who's in office because I know who's on the throne. The plan doesn't change regardless of who's the president. Maybe the plan for you changes, but the plan doesn't change. The mission doesn't change. The mission doesn't change. Love Jesus, love him well, lay my life down, love others, build family, establish the house of the Lord, preach the gospel, ready the nation. That doesn't change regardless of who's in office. It doesn't change no matter who's the governor, who's the mayor, who's the police chief or or the police chief. It doesn't matter. The plan doesn't change. The mission is not altered because of these things. And so we need to be more committed to the plan. 
And the plan is to love him and to love him well. The plan is to love him and to love him well. That does not change regardless of the controversy that we face in our culture. But loving him well will ready you to face those things faithfully in a way where you will be able to honor the Lord Jesus as king in the midst of and not just through the preserving from. Um, Those of us who set our life up where we can only live faithfully and successfully in times when we have ease and comfort. Um, this is, this is just pure nonsense. It's not what the gospel is readying us for. Um, and so as we lean into this year, let's lean into Jesus. As we lean into this year, let's lean into Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app.